Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Good morning. This morning we're continuing in the, in the series that we've been talking about this new year, the, the REACH series. Uh, we've been talking about reaching up, reaching up and reaching up for God, trying to connect with him, reaching across as a community of believers and reaching, reaching to one another, and reaching out into our community. And I, I'm sure as, a, as I was introduced as the pastor of outreach, you're probably ready to hear a good sermon on outreach today. That is not the case. I'm here to talk to you about reaching across. Uh, last week, uh, Pastor Dave spoke about how we are called to spur one another on. And uh, I wanted to share some thoughts from, uh, from our experience of, of living overseas, living in Spain, living in a very small community of people uh, who love Jesus together, um, and things that I think that we can learn from that as, as Harvest Community Church. If you could turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians 3. While you turn there, I, I want to share with you a story. Last fall, I got an email, and, and uh, I got an email, and Pastor Dave got an email, and Pastor Frank got an email. We were invited to uh, Paul and Jen Cho's house uh, for uh, a night of Iron Chef. I don't know if you've ever watched the Cooking Network. I actually haven't until recently, but I saw that we were going to the Iron Chef con- this contest, and they asked us to be the judges. I was like, whoa, that sounds like fun. Food? Judging? I, I don't know what's going on, but... It sounds like a lot of fun. So I, my wife and I and our, our daughters, we watched some of the Iron Chef episodes to come prepared and know what, what it was that we should be doing during this Iron Chef thing. So they had two teams. They had a team of guys and they had a team of women. And uh, they, they got together early in the afternoon at like 3. Uh, and they started, um, I, if you've ever watched Iron Chef, there's, there's two teams or two cooks or two chefs and they're, they're master chefs, and they cook off against one another, and they have a time limit. On the show, I think they have an hour. And uh, when they get there, they bring all their supplies, everything that they think they need, but they don't know one thing. And the one thing they don't know is the secret ingredient. There's one secret ingredient that they have to use in all the dishes through the whole meal. And so they have to make this whole meal around this secret ingredient that they don't know until they arrive. So they have to come very prepared. So we got there... And, I mean, we didn't get there till later, but they got there at three, and they got their secret ingredient. Their secret ingredient was squash. So they had to make an entire meal around squash. I, when I got there and we heard that, I was like, wow, that's amazing. I think I've eaten squash like twi- twice in my life. <laughs> I don't know what kind of food you can make out of that. So all afternoon, these two teams, they labored, and they worked very hard to prepare a very nice meal, two very nice meals. And... Uh, Frank and Dave and I, we got there later in the evening. We got there. We were relaxed. And they said, you know, just have a seat on the couch and just wait. We're we're preparing some final things. The time limit's almost done, so just relax there. So we sat. We relaxed. It was really nice. We we just kind of hung out. We watched the football game. And then uh, then they said, well, okay, it's time. Time is up. And the two teams have to bring whatever they have to bring to the table. So we're like, oh, great. So we sat there. We sat there very judge-like, trying to be very impartial. We had a, a list of notes that we took, and we tried each dish they brought out. We just tried a nibble of each one, and we tasted it, and we let it melt on our tongues. And we were like, hmm, I wonder how this is, what, what is this like? And then, then, and then we got to judge it. We got to say, hmm, well, this, 
this wasn't quite salty enough, or Ooh, this was a little, this is a weird texture, or this plate, it, it was, it was okay, but it, the, the food tasted good, but it wasn't presented very well. You know, they could have made it more pretty when they brought it out to us. So we did that for, I don't, I don't know how long, we went, we went through uh, two four-course meals, and uh, I mean, it was a lot of fun, but we just, we kind of nibbled each thing, and we, we, had, we had a very, uh, we had a very strict um, uh, idea of what was going on. So turn with me, ma- with me now to, to Colossians 3, verse 15. It says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. <clears throat> I want to quickly go through, uh, look through uh, the whole chapter of Colossians 3, but I'm just going to give you an outline of what's happening here. In verse 1, it, it says, Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on pursuing all of your wants and desires, all of your wants and desires, and living the most comfortable life that you can. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not what it says. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 5 says, kill your earthly nature. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs in your earthly nature. And he gives a list of things that we should eradicate from our lives. Then in verse 12, it says, Therefore, God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and so our first step in reaching across is reaching up. Did you see in verse 1, our first step is, since we are raised with Christ, we need to set our hearts on things above. That is our first step in order to be able to reach across in our community. He says the next thing, kill your earthly nature. Put, a, put aside those things of this earth that draw you and that distract you from where I am calling you. In verse 12, he says, get dressed up and look like me. Give yourself a spiritual makeover. Get dressed up in my wardrobe. Put on my clothing, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness. How are you dressed in the eyes of God? You know, we often look at how people appear to us on the outside. That is not how God looks at us. after we've done those things, after we've set our heart on God, cast out the old us, put on the wardrobe of God, and this brings us to the point in verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. So we do those other things in order that we can teach and admonish one another. If you look over at Ephesians 5, 19-21, it has a very similar ring to what we just read in Colossians. In Ephesians it says, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to go there, but if you... 
jump over to 1 Corinthians 14, there's another similar passage. It says, What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or, or three at the most should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. Now, I want to tell you some, some observations that I made as I was reading through these things. First of all, it's, it's easy to think of those things as only what happens on Sunday morning. So sun, it's, it's easy to think, oh, he's talking about when we get together on Sunday mornings, somebody should bring a song, somebody should bring a prayer, somebody should bring a, a missions thing. But as I was looking through these, Colossians and Ephesians, they're not really speaking specifically to what happens on a Sunday morning. They're telling us how we should live as Christians. Corinthians actually is speaking to worship and orderly worship. Um, but he wasn't telling us so much that we... Sh- he was kind of telling people to calm down. In the church at that time, so many people were speaking out, so many people were bringing stuff to the table. He said, well, if you have to, let's, let's limit it to only two people speaking at a time. I mean, okay, three sometimes, but let's try to keep it to two people speaking at a time. How different is that from uh, what we have happening in today's church? It's a call and a challenge for us come together. I talked about uh, the Iron Chef event because a lot of times we come to church with the mentality that Frank and Dave and I had when we went to the Iron Chef event. We were supposed to go as judges, but a lot of times we come to the, to the church banquet table and we come and we sit down and we say, okay, impress me. Okay, what do we have today? How will I be fed? What does the presentation look like? I think as we look through these verses, we, we get a picture that is not at all like that. The picture that Paul describes is much more like a potluck where everybody brings their best to the table. You know, when you're getting ready for a potluck, everybody does a little bit of work. Everybody prepares their favorite meal, their favorite dish, and they bring it along. Everybody comes together and everybody partakes of the food. And there isn't a feeling of judgment, well, who has the best pasta salad or whatever. Everyone enjoys it. They eat what they like. And when they're done, everyone takes their own dish back home, and they wash it, and they clean it up, and they put it away. After the Iron Chef event, they said, judges, you finished. We said, okay, thanks. And then the people that worked all all day, they had to go through and clean up all these dishes. They had a disaster in two different kitchens. Uh, I did not envy them, but they were like, no, you guys were just here to judge. We, we were doing this as an event that we wanted to do. How often do we come to church with that same mentality where there's a small group of people who do the vast amount of the work? It is said that in most churches that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Did you hear that? 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That's fine if it's a, if it's a social club. That's fine if it's a, well, maybe not if it's a business. That's fine in certain settings. But the church, we are called to a mutual responsibility to care for one another, to build into one another, to lift up one another. So that was a lot of fun being a judge for the Iron Chef event. But there are some differences between that event and what happens in our real lives. First of all, Frank and Dave and I are definitely not... um, we're not experienced chefs. We don't have the experience. We don't have the expertise. We really 
don't have the right to judge anyone's food from a, a, a judge's perspective. We, we like food, but other than that, we don't have any experience, any, uh, any reason that would make us better judges than anyone else. We are not chefs. We don't prepare food very much that I know of, the three of us. Uh, so we don't understand the work that goes into it. We didn't know what, we didn't know, like, my wife was telling me, oh, the girls did such a such and such. And I was like, oh, really? I don't know what that is. But they did things that we don't understand. Now imagine if, if we took that same mentality in Dave and Frank and I, every time we ate a meal somewhere, we sat down and we got out our little checklist. And like, hmm, presentation? Nope. What would our wives say? If I came home and I did that, I'd think about two meals. My wife would be like, okay, you're cooking now. You know, like that's, that's it. That's, that's not, a, that's not a, a generous way to live our lives. So if that's not a generous way to live our lives when it just comes to meals, how can it be any different when it comes to how, how we live together as a body of believers? Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Dwell in you richly. Um, because I was thinking about Iron Chef and potlucks, the first thing that came to my mind as I read this was food. What does it mean if something dwells in you richly? Um, you know, when you eat a food that's rich, it's normally intense. The thing that comes to my mind is Spanish coffee. It's, it makes American coffee taste weak and watery. And the Spanish coffee is thick and rich. And you drink a little cup like this, and you're like, whoa! Like, it's, it's like awesome. So when you, when you drink something that's rich, you, the, the, the flavor is intense. Uh, we had some friends that uh, go to a church in Texas, and uh, they, they had a new family that came to their church that was from China. And after the family lived there for a while, and they, they felt confident enough with some of their friends, they said, you know, when we first moved here, the thing that shocked us was, most was everyone here smells like cheese. And there's so much dairy in the American diet, and there was so little dairy in the Chinese diet that we emanate the smell, the fragrance of dairy. And they said, we walk in a room, we're like, whoa, it smells like cheese in here. <laughs> Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We should have the word of Christ in us so richly, so deeply, that where we walk, the fragrance of Christ goes before us. Hopefully more so than our fragrance of cheese and dairy products. The things that we bring into our life are going to affect the fragrance. that we emit. The second thing I thought of was, Dwelling in your house, in your home. You can, dwell, you can dwell in your home richly, or you can dwell in it poorly. There's a difference. If you dwell in it poorly, you kind of you, you stop by, you eat your meals, you throw some stuff in the corner, you take your clothes off, throw them away in the corner. When you finish your meals, you kind of you wash up your dishes. You don't, you don't really put anything into the house. You just, you just kind of, the least that you can touch it. That's, that'd be a poor way of living in your house, barely maintaining it. Things... As long as you know, things aren't bothering you, you just kind of ignore them. Dwelling in your house richly would be constantly caring for, taking care of, putting effort and energy into it, going from room to room and looking and saying, what, what can I do in here to make this better? When we allow the words of Christ to dwell in us, we should let them dwell in us richly. You know, Lori and I have lived in a lot of rented housing. There have been times where we've, Lived in a house, we're like, oh, we would love to just do some stuff to make this place nicer or better. And we'll talk to the landlord, and they're like, oh, be careful. You know, we don't want you to 
mess it up. Don't just, you know, it's probably better, just don't touch it. So they wouldn't allow us to dwell in their house richly. From a certain standpoint, I understand. They don't want us to mess it up. But how do we approach Christ in our lives? Do we come to him and say, you know, this is our house. We don't want you to really mess it up. So, you know, you can have this corner. You can have this area. Just please don't touch anything. Don't, don't mess anything up. Don't paint anything. Don't, we like it the way it is. Just, just leave it alone. You can stay here, but just, just stay. Don't, don't do much. No, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We want to allow Christ to come in and do a makeover in our lives. We want to allow him to constantly be reforming us, renewing us, refreshing us, and uh, turning us into the person he wants us to be. Out of this, out of the word of Christ, we are to admonish one another in all wisdom. Admonish just means to urge one another in our duties, remind, to spur one another on. We admonish one another in all wisdom. You know, sometimes we get caught up in church thinking, well, you know, it's just church stuff. And uh, we shouldn't, I don't really know what I have to add because I haven't studied theology or doctrine. You know, all of us have areas of expertise. All of us have areas where we are wise. All of us have things that we can bring to the table. So in those areas that you have strengths, share those with others. You enrich the community. We should be a church of dialogue and discussion. And that's not to be confused with discord and dissension and factions. In Galatians 5, we are are warned of those kinds of things. Those are considered the opposite of the fruits of the Spirit, sinful, horrible things. So we come together in a spirit of of discussion, a spirit of dialogue. We all have something to bring to the table. We can challenge one another. That's good. It should be done in love. It should be done out of our out of our connection with Christ, not in a spirit of just wanting to cause problems and cause dissension. So there's a difference there. Do you see the difference in those? Like, there, on one hand, it's okay to dialogue and to challenge. It should be done in a heart of love and a spirit of love. That's a challenge, and that's difficult, and it's sometimes a difficult balance to watch. But don't be afraid to challenge one another. But do it in love. And our motives should be for the strengthening of the church. When we were in Spain, uh, we actually did take these passages and we tried to do to live them in a very literal way uh, in our community. We didn't have a head pastor. We had uh, four couples. And so what we did uh, when we got together on Sunday, we said, everybody this week, during your times as you're praying and as you're seeking God, you bring what it is you're learning this week you bring it next Sunday, and we're all going to go around, and we're going to share what God has been teaching us. That's hard. That's hard to do every week. There were some weeks where, you know, people just kind of like, oh, pull up the Bible. I'll share this first. I like this one. You know, and you could tell. It kind of, we, we shared, and it kind of fell flat. However, there were times where people were really in tune with God and were really spending time with Him during the week. When we got together, and we said, you know, I've, really, I, I've been reading this, and this, I, this passage came out to me. Somebody else might share a song that they, that they had heard or that they wrote. In the course of that, some of those meetings, there, were, there was a definite theme that, that came out. And it wasn't like we planned ahead of time, hey, next week we're going to talk about community. But there would be a theme that would come out 
of those times where we felt like God was very intentionally speaking to us through different through each of the different members, and it was on the same thing. It was a beautiful thing, and it really encouraged us that God was walking with us and that he was pouring into us. Some of the barriers that we have to reaching a cross in this way, I'm just going to go through these quickly. The first one is a consumer mentality. It's easy to come into, into our culture. Our culture tells us that we need to consume. There was an article in Brand Republic on how to appeal to consumers' inner desires. In the article, it says this, Successful marketing appeals to the way our genes and brains work. In deciding which brand to buy, people use their emotions, attitudes, and memories. And with certain preset criteria, which I call the gimmies, the self-centered demands we all have for emotional fulfillment of our moods. As much as selfishness is viewed as a negative personality trait, it is innate. Focus on their wants. It's very dangerous if we allow allow this kind of thinking, even though this is deep in our culture, it's very dangerous if we allow this kind of thinking to enter into our church. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things are given to you. Our culture tells us to worry about what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to drive, how we're going to live. How we appear to others, that's all very important. Jesus said, don't chase after those things. We cannot come to church thinking, what am I going to get out of church today? There's a very selfish and a wrongly motivated attitude as we enter into, the, into our community together. The second barrier for us reaching across And it's not that these are the only four barriers. These are just four barriers that struck me. Another barrier is that I'm not qualified. We we often tell ourselves, I don't have the experience, I don't have the expertise, I don't have what I need to do. Kierkegaard said, the matter is quite simple. The Bible is very easy to understand. But we Christians are a bunch of scheming swindlers. We pretend to be unable to understand it, Because we know very well that the minute that we understand it, we are obliged to act accordingly. Take any words in the New Testament and forget everything except pledging yourself to act accordingly. My word, you'll say, if I do that, my whole life will be ruined. How would I ever get on in the world? The third thing that I have is that we're too busy. Jesus and his disciples, they came to this village. And he came to a house. He said, hey, he's like, I'm going to hang out with you guys today. And there were two different people in the house. One was Mary and one was Martha. Mary came out. And she was like so excited that Jesus was there. She sat down at his feet. And she just listened to him. Martha was frantic, running through the house, back and forth, banging pots and pans. And finally, she was disgusted at her sister. She came out and said, Jesus, tell my sister to help me. What's going on? I'm doing all this work. And she's just sitting there. Doing nothing. Jesus said to Martha, Listen, she has chosen more wisely. If you're living a life that's frantic, if you're living a life that's consumed and busy, and you're in a panic running around, and you're getting frustrated with people around you because they're not fulfilling their obligations, you might want to step back and double check. Are you being like Martha? 
Are you running frantically with pots and pans, banging them around, making a lot of noise, but not sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening? It's not saying we don't have a call to work and a call to participate, but we need to make sure that that call comes out of our our love and our, our, our time with Jesus, not out of a frantic desire to, do, to be busy. And the last thing I have is that we're not connected with the living God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, Let him who cannot be alone beware of community. He will only do harm to himself and to the community. Alone you stood before God when he called you. Alone you had to answer the call. Alone you had to struggle, pray, and alone you will die and give an account to God. You cannot escape yourself, for God has singled you out. If you refuse to be alone, you are rejecting Christ's call to you, and you can have no part in the community of those who are called. Then he goes on to say, Let him who is not in community beware of being alone. Into the community you were called. The call was not meant for you alone. In the community of the called, you bear your cross, your struggle, you pray. You are not alone even in death, and on the last day you will, be, you, will only, you will be only one of the great congregation of Jesus Christ. If you scorn the fellowship of the brethren, you reject the call of Jesus Christ. So basically our call is twofold. We have to have times of solitude and connection with God in order to have something worthy to bring to the community. We have to have a time with our community where we are building one another up so that our times of solitude have the meaning that they In our church, as we think about ways that we can pour into one another, don't let yourself be limited to Sunday mornings. Think about the ways that you seek the Lord during the week through his word. Be sensitive to the spirit as he calls to you. Share what the Lord is, learnt, what the Lord is teaching you. Share it with your friends. Share it with, during your community group. Share it during the prayer meeting. Share it over meals. Share it over coffee. Share it at the gym. When you're with one another, share what God is doing in your life. Encourage one another, admonish one another, build one another up, teach one another. Let us be a church who takes seriously our roles to minister to one another. Let's spend some time in prayer. Father, we come before you as a church who desires to to live in your will and walk in your ways. Lord, we want to be a church that that honors you and glorifies you in the ways that we seek you and love you. And out of our love for you and out of our reaching up to you, Lord, we ask that you will empower us to reach across and to minister to one another in our own community. But we pray that you will fill us with your word. Pray that you will fill us with your passion and your desire to live a life, a godly life of community. Lord, we ask you to bless our community. We ask you to strengthen us as we work to to build into one another. Lord, we ask you to deepen our relationships. We do this all for your glory and that your name may be praised. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.